0: Can I say we'll it up?
1: Doug. <laughs>
0: oh, see, we already <laughs> fucked it up.
1: No, you are gonna have to go with like the one of the fucked up versions. Uh Doug Bale. My my heroes demand that there is no like good normal version. Okay. Okay. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Doug Bale. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Pound it Let's out. Pound it out. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was uh, really taken back and uh, and humbled that that you asked me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've been a plus the fact we just haven't really seen each other hung out in a little in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I'd I'd think I'd have to you know at least have you know regular (laughs) visits to be invited. (laughs) Some sort of a you're always welcome. You know, a more regular routine.
0: Yeah, Uh, Doug. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you grow up here?
1: I basically grew up in like Tempe and Phoenix. Yeah. 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 Hometown. Yeah. Hometown is where you went to high school, right? Or-
0: uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Where you spent your formative years. Yeah. Tempe.
1: High school. College. High school. Tempe. College. Phoenix. Yeah. Grade school. Grade, grade school. <laughs> mostly. Yeah. Yeah. We had some stints in the Midwest. Uh, is that right? Lived in Kansas for a little while as a... As a Young boy.
0: Okay. How did it go?
1: It's great. Kansas was great. It was really fun.
0: What, 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 what part of Kansas?
1: Shawnee, Kansas. Like uh, just outside of Kansas City. Okay. Really, really uh, different weather, more open. I'd lived in Tucson as a kid. Okay. I'd lived in, I uh, was born in Riverside, lived in Tucson. We lived in Washington. We kind of moved around a lot. Yeah. And, but we. my dad was not in the military. Thank you. What was
0: the reason for moving around like that?
1: I think my dad just liked to, at that time, just do a new challenge, start a new job Mm -hmm. in like a real sort of, not unhealthy way, but like a challenge himself way. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, siblings?
1: Yeah, I got a a brother. Older brother? Older brother.
0: So you're the baby.
1: I'm the baby boy. (laughs)
0: What music, um, what music was played in the house growing up, or what what music did your brother uh, bring to the table? How, like, do you have a specific record that you remember? Was there a band that really got you fired up as a kid? Um, walk me through that, and don't and get. Uh, I'd get up a
1: little bit. There you are. Oh, a little bit closer, mm-hmm, a little smoother. Like, yeah, baby, come on. Well, little... there I go. Way too close. <laughs> all right um yeah i think early on it was apparent that music was a like a great thing Mm -hmm. and there were like all these records and we had this amazing old gerard turntable like some really nice thing that came out of like the middle class dominating the 50s and 60s and somehow my parents had it, and then uh good technology fisher speakers in a and I love the Beatles. I love Billy Joel. I had my own little thing I was into. Uh, but definitely my dad and my brother were very influential, which is kind of weird because later on in life, my, uh, a, an artist I thought my dad was in love with, and that's why I loved him too. My dad's like, I'm not really into him. <laughs> and it was some record that was given to us by an uncle. And so really, I, I kind of carved out some stuff myself. John Prine, Billy Joel. I loved the eagles when i was a kid i remember buying the things i liked and it's usually uh john prine was just like an outliner i love the lyrics as a super young kid you know little pictures have big ears don't stop to count the years sweet songs never last too long on a broken radio i was just like Mm. nobody else talks like this like Mm. nobody else says these little sayings Mm. and i and i kind of get them and but i'm young and i'm like is that smart or is this guy dumb i didn't know it just seemed like amazing like a different language Billy Joel, I loved, I love that song Big Shot. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you had to be a big shot. Mm-hmm. And and I remember buying that 45. Yeah. And uh and I had my own little thing going, but my brother and and my dad were just smarter than everybody. It was just understood. So mm-hmm. I was also influenced by them. Like my brother was really into ABBA, and my brother was really into like these. Hmm certain types of bands and as it got into high school he just started dominating because he was cool and he knew what this certain culture was and what was going on and i was just like i like the pretenders i like you too i like the police like more kind of standard popular stuff but he's like i like the Pesh mode and i like this mortal coil and my favorite Mm -hmm. uh record label is 4ad and i'm like what do you mean your favorite record label like i wasn't even thinking about right what my favorite record label is i'm like it, i don't who cares what record label is i like the band right right in uh in uh so there's a little bit on my own and i think it's still with me you know just a great singer songwriter just kind of like the mishmash of popular music that was like the 70s when i grew up uh but and what and what records were your dad were your dad bring it to the table? Well, my dad was like Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings and country and mm-hmm. that bravado country and mm-hmm. kind of this attitude of like self-destruction and right. and like, you know, still a cowboy and he'd watch John Wayne movies and I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. And, uh, and again, John Prine, I mistakenly for years thought he was into John Prine. So I'm into him too and I get it and it's cool. Like you want to like right. get your dad and like. And I remember getting him a gift one year, like, and he's like, I I don't really like John Prine." I'm like, what? was <laughs> so bizarre. But, you know. Did in, you? Yeah, go ahead. That Dolly quote of like, false memories are clearer than mm-hmm. the actual memory. Like, it was a right. false memory that was like, implanted by aliens. That right. My dad liked John Prine. Yeah. Because I later in life bought him a gift. And he's like, well, do you want it? I'm not really. In-. And then it's like, what? He was like, one of those dads, like, you don't get me a gift. Yeah. If you get me a gift, uh, I oh I know who I'll give this to. Like what? I got this for you. Anyways. Right. Right. So what was the question? <laughs> How old are you? No. <laughs> I'm
0: 51. Wow. Um. All right. So, so. Gr- <laughs> so growing up in Tempe, mm-hmm. um, were you, you? You obviously you were inspired by this music. Were you going out? and seeing shows i'm I'm always curious to talk to people who grew up here because i missed all that shit there you go get right up on it just rest your upper lip on the top there
1: (laughs) i am experimenting right now wow that that's the sweet spot that's what i'm saying this whole time i could have you could have just i could have been closer I could have been crushing it (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) um i'm always interested about hearing about the scene in the 90s, yeah, I'm assuming that you were going to to shows and, and do you have any memories of the scene and what were some of the clubs and do you have any specific memories about specific clubs and blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah, uh, kind of a late bloomer and then had my own path. But like my brother, like I said, was into like this certain type of music and all these dance clubs and I'd kind of tag along. There was a club called Out of Water off a of baseline i think and mm-hmm. it's before anything had developed hmm. and there were all these alternative clubs and alternative music and in the 90s you're talking about uh late 80s uh early 90s yeah yeah, yeah. i guess still in high school and then uh so you know i'd go see kind of like major acts sometimes at concerts and see my my the own little concerts that i like But I really didn't get into a scene where I was like, I got to go see this band and I think I'm going to try to do this until after college, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, so kind of a late bloomer to the whole song. I didn't even know I could play a guitar. I didn't even know I could sing. And uh, I went to NAU and and, uh, when I got back, I had a a best friend and and he's like, dude, we got to play guitar and and start a cover band. It's so easy because his brothers are like, Part of this cover band legacy in arizona the Col- colby john colby my friend dave pullman his stepbrothers john colby and john colby and my buddy alan chadwick they started this band called the chadwicks uh-huh. have you heard of that band yes yes and they, they're all these other bands but uh i digress or i i'm i'm uh you progress i progress i regress <laughs> and david was like hey my brother's gonna do these cover bands and this and i was like i just realized no i want to be the original music guy because uh-huh. all my all my heroes are like teaching me what's cool uh-huh And uh, let me get a little swig yeah yeah, just, yeah get re- hydrate jesus you're, you're, yeah you're... So i'm sucking down these arnold palmers <laughs> which by the way a lot of places don't have and that's not good because sound and go they should uh, they should accommodate us that don't drink anymore. <laughs> but uh, came back from s- school, college. What a, did you, what did you study U. up there? I, I, I started out in biology, but I realized it was too hard because I was also an athlete. Like, I swam in college. It's just too much time. And then I switched to advertising because I have this natural random creativity. I can just make stuff up usually. Mm-hmm. Don't have a problem with that. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, I want to... I thought I was going to be like the guy in 30... 30 something show that like 30 rock. No, there's a, I think there's a show called 30 something. Oh, and, uh, one of the characters, like an ad executive and he made the commercials and he had the great ideas. I thought I was going to be that guy and uh, but, but, but it was just easy to make up a campaign and learn about advertising. And to this day, I'm still in like advertising sales, but I got a degree in advertising and, and a minor in art. Okay.
0: And uh, what was the art program like at NAU at that time?
1: The art program in NAU is actually pretty good. They had a, a good. They have a, I think, still a good sculpture school. And I basically just had an art minor, but I almost had a graphic design degree as well. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but what but, does what but, does. What does having
1: an art minor look like? Like, like no, no, I don't mean that. In I, wish, a, I wish this wasn't a podcast. <laughs> I wish it was a little more visual. You are looking at what an art minor is. It's no, right, I just—it's right like, in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> this is what an art minor looks like.
0: <laughs> no, I mean just like what? What is the course load? Like, Uh-oh. you know what I'm saying?
1: Well, you can get a minor in school by accident, right? It's right. just whatever you have the most credits at, and I had enough to get an art minor.
0: But but in other was like what sort of class? Well, so I are you would take together? I would
1: take hand lettering. I would take uh, at that time their computers weren't doing all the layout, mm-hmm. so I had a couple of classes like drafting. Like that. Yeah, and I had two dimensional design, which just meant drawing and painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I did much sculpture. Mm-hmm. I don't know art history. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, somehow, but, yeah, but some but enough hands
0: on shit that that you took some of those skills with you. Because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tag this conversation later. Sure. Oh, we're gonna gonna draw on your art minor, because you know obviously visual art is is a a part of what you're doing now. And I was
1: just curious. Definitely. Okay. Uh, I don't mean to make everything a joke. Sorry about that. So yeah. So like uh, yeah, I was really into art, and I was uh, discovering that too. Mm -hmm. But when I got if. If I can go back to like the scene, I think that question, I think that's a good question. It's an interesting question. Me and my buddy Dave Pullman, we had a band called the White Trash Philosophers.
0: <laughs> a lot of your bands have uh, uh, three uh, names to it. Original Juice Guys. Oh,
1: Original Juice Boys. It's original just like, Juice Boys. Uh, the original, yeah. yeah. I so guess. if that was, that, is a,
0: technically that's a four. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, sorry. That's an outline. The Original Juice Boys. <laughs> and what was this one? The Philosopher's Stone? No, what was it called? The
1: White Trash Philosophers.
0: White Trash Philosophers. So
1: that was my first scene. My buddy David's like, let's make a cover band and learn covers. I'm like, and I just found out it was easy for me to make. I I was lazy. I don't want to learn another song. That's hard. Let's just make up new songs. Yeah. And I would make, we just made like eight songs in one afternoon. And I'm like, see, this is easier. Let's make our own songs. And then we just started following Dead Hot Workshop around. Right. So that was, at, that like was a big late, band at the, the time. The late nineties Tempe scene. <laughs> late nineties or late eighties? Uh, middle. Mid, I'm sorry. Mid, early nineties. 90s, mid nineties. yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. And I'm 51 now, so we're all just gonna have to yeah do the math on that. We're gonna have to like uh, not be so strict that it's the exact middle of the decade. But right, I remember things in shapes and colors. Now <laughs> smells. I remember the smell of Long... I bet you do. Of all the fucking Every, everybody does, yeah. I bet of all the fucking clubs, <laughs> like, you're like, why is this a place everyone wants to go? Uh, no, it's fine. So, me and Dave made this band, and it was just like we we were called the Indigo Boys. We were called uh, Meat Puppets Junior. Like, oh. buy like Franco or whatever the guy that what used to promote. It's it's uh, what's his name's room now? Oh, uh, Psycho Steve? Yeah, you. Rebel how did Lounge? you know that? Because Franco, it used to be called. Uh, 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 something Jar. Mason Jar. Mason Jar. And like we had our name on that marquee. Yeah. And we played that show and you could still smoke in bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're on a stage that's this high. Right. right. And, and all the smoke is right, like two right. feet from the ceiling. So you're right, right there. And we, yeah. when we got done with that show. Yeah. I couldn't breathe, and my eyes are red. and I'm like, "What happened?" Do you
0: remember? Um, and, and
1: then Frank Oak said, "Hey, we love you, Meat Puppets Junior." Like I, we were trying to be. There's no way. I mean, even to this day, as I've gotten better, that the skill level and what Meat Puppets do is just insane yeah, to me. Yeah,
0: but um, I just, I just was reminded. <laughs> I just was reminded of um, the joint downtown. It's called the Emerald Lounge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a joint where you could smoke in it. When you mm-hmm. know, when I moved here. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was like waist high, the smoke.
1: (laughs) From the bottom up, it was some sort of upside down world. No. (laughs) It was cool smoke. (laughs) The
0: the ceiling was so low. Yeah. You know, you put a bunch of cats in there smoking cigarettes all day. That the smoke levels down uh, your uh, hips. Yeah, down your hips. And I think I went and saw um, um, Fatigo. There or you something go. In the back room, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I thought, man, this is this is the coolest secret show, cool show, this cool is room, the coolest, you know. Yep. Um, but yep. Um, all right. So sorry, I, I I I took you off the off road.
1: We're good. I can go back. I have a steel trap. mind. of uh, a mind. Yeah. Um,
0: any other um, memories or bands um, that were big and and some of the rooms that they were playing? I'm just. I remember hearing. Hey, jealousy mm-hmm. in must have been ninety three or something, mm-hmm. and the concept the concept of uh, of a Phoenix or a Arizona music scene was super foreign to me in Massachusetts. I mean, obviously, but I remember
1: hearing wow, Hey, jealousy yeah. East in coast Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, and it's just there was a sound, you know. Yeah. and can you talk at all about um, maybe how and why? I mean, like. How, do, how would you define this sound, that sound, that um, kind of desert rock thing? C- can you speak to that at I, all?
1: I really think like anything, it, it gets like pigeonholed and simplified. There was a lot going on. Just like me and you were hanging out the other night. You're like, there's so much talent in this town. Mm. There's you, like you wander into the subgenre that becomes your darling, like your pet. And one of those things could be kind of the twangy pop. Mm-hmm dead hot workshop r- refreshments uh, uh, uh gin blossoms, blossoms mm. and then all the other bands Toad the west all these bands that mm. kind of mm. sound like this american replacements right in in tempe had the gin blossoms and they made it big and then refreshments made it big and I, and that was the first gig that White trash, trash philosophers had as we opened for the refreshments. No way in Longwongs, and I was so nervous. I left my car running in the loading zone. I was so like, just jacked up on of, adrenaline and, and, and fear, and yeah, and uh, we. I remember we couldn't figure out how to turn the amps on because <laughs> it was a back line. It was like Roger's yeah. amp, and oh at God. one point I had to like call him or drop because he's like no we're just gonna chill here you guys open up we'll get there and you know do 40 30 minutes 45 minutes and uh and uh anyways (laughs) couldn't figure out how to turn the amp on well there's all sorts of things like you know you're so panicked you can't you know how do my eyes blink or whatever happens to you (laughs) like do i think to blink them or do they blink on their own (laughs) It just blew by themselves. Yeah, like, you know, that's an exaggeration, but I was really (laughs) nervous. Do I have to continually
0: rehydrate my eyeballs? (laughs) Am I I
1: bleeding? Am I breathing? (laughs) Am I bleeding? Am I breathing? So we pulled that show off. Awesome. Uh, But uh,
0: And this was what, like a a, a trio or something?
1: That was a duo. It was just me and my buddy David, two guitars. So, you know, every once in a while. So we'd get to open for the refreshments. We'd get to open for Dead Hot. And there was a lot, that was like a hotbed at that time. Like Mm -hmm. this, you know, you've been in most, a lot of cities in this city. Like there's times when now all of a sudden there's 20 across the different cities or 15, 20 competing nice venues. Mm -hmm. There was the electric ballroom. Uh, There was, uh, and we actually got to play on this giant stage and Mm -hmm. open for bands that they were my heroes. And uh, there was electric ballroom, there was Long Wong's, which was not the optimal place to
0: but te- certain, technically, but like yeah, but, culturally
1: yes, awesome, like yes. amazing. Yeah. There was Etzel's Attic. There was this place called Gibson's, which was a big deal. There was uh this really cool place where David, my my buddy worked, uh David Pullman, great songwriter in his own right. Uh he's a fireman, probably a retired fireman almost by now. Uh he he worked at Balboa Cafe, mm. which was this nice restaurant. On Mill, that's probably been like eight other restaurants now. Sure. But Gibson's and Balboa Cafe were there. And then there's this amphitheater, a natural amphitheater where like Dead Hot would play and these other bands would play. And like mm-hmm. it was this whole thing. And I was a sycophant. I was like, I was like starstruck. I love what Dead Hot Workshop did. And I, but I was doing kind of a simple, simpler singer-songwriter folk thing. Mm-hmm. And I was trying desperately to be clever, hence the name White Trash Philosophers. Right. And, you know, that's what it is. You got to start where you start. And we had songs, and I thought that, you know... But we were following those guys around, and you're trying to make friends with every good, cool band. There's a band called One with Shamsi Rue, which she was a phenomenal, like, off-the-charts vocalist. Uh. And they were more like kind of like avant garde, a little more jazzy technical pop. And in uh that was the first scene I was in, and there's nothing like it. Like you yeah. can ask anybody, like, you know, I was there or whatever. Right. Well, no, <laughs> whatever. Like, no, but no, I, I equate it with yeah. like, you know, Hate Ashbury
0: in in San Fran in the late sixties yeah. or Laurel Canyon even or even though obviously Seattle in the nineties you know, you're
1: you know. not at that level and <laughs> right. you're you're in and even the Tempe music scene, I think, culturally isn't like has, and I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing it, but like, Hate Ashbury is like a different iconic historical thing. Yes, Tempe music scene has always kind of been ripped on a little bit, really, by like the artistic crowd, huh? In a way, like, I mean, Jim. Okay, I'm better just hit the brakes here. <laughs> Pump the brakes, bro. I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> There's. The Tempe music scene had no importance whatsoever. (laughs) So anyways. But honestly, I don't... Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. From the outside, I was in it. So I do have a friend, my buddy Joel. And we later, when I moved back from L.A., we got into Gloritone and like the next wave. And they're playing at Long Wong's. And all these like, kind of like, you know, power pop alternative kids. Right. This band called 15 Minutes Fast. And then... That's the first time I heard this band called Rum Tenor, which was amazing. And then Rum Tenor turned into a couple other bands and these guys are still playing. I can't believe Jeremy Watson. I can't believe I just remembered his name. Now he's in you know, people keep going and and like somehow I can keep tabs on these people. Yeah. But I don't know how to like really prepare my taxes or I don't know how like
0: (laughs) Or turn your car off at a gig. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: But it's (laughs) like <laughs> to me, it's it's definitely like you know sea monkeys and stalactites. Like these things are growing, and it's right. this ecosystem. Right? Maybe not sea monkeys and stalactites. That's not a good analogy. Uh, but but but, but it's a like great, these, great band name. Yeah, these things just grow and they continue, and then Phoenix is the environment. Is it is now. Uh, when we first started out, my brother worked at, he was, my brother was the first employee hired at Stinkweeds. No shit. Cause, cause he hung out there so much and talked about Depeche Mode so much that one <laughs> Amber. day. Yeah. Kimber and, and, uh, no, Kimber, not uh, Amber, Kimber geez. and, uh, uh, I forgot the other gentleman's name, but they kind of parted ways, you know, business wise. And he yeah. opened a record store in, Long Beach called Ten Ton, and my brother moved out there and worked at that store even. Wow. Uh, Scott Papa. Just really creative, amazing, do-it-yourself people. Yeah. And my brother was hanging out at Stinkweed so much when it was in Mesa. It, the store started out at Mesa that the, it was like that Simpson story. Hey, kid, you want a job? Yeah. Or like a kids-in-the-hall skit, because he was just always there, and they're like, look, you, you could work here. We trust you. We know, right. we know right. who you are. You're, you're right. a good guy. Yeah. And then, yeah. so my brother... Oh, I forgot why I brought that up, but like I thought, I swear there was a natural reason for me to bring that up, other than to plug that I know Kimber and my brother was the first hired employee at Stinkweeds. My name's Doug Bale. I don't have problems with my ego or anything. Name dropping my own brother and Kimber. So, uh, so that first scene, like, yeah, we were going to Stinkweeds, you know, yeah. What's the cool band? What's the cool show? Like that's definitely a scene spot. Yeah. It still is, right? right? Right, right. Like if you know what's going on, you can walk into Stinkweeds and have like, right? You know, a, a really uh, potent conversation. Yes, and, and you can yeah. you can know where you stand. <laughs> right, you right. might be put in your place. Not put in your place, but you're gonna learn. Yeah, because they 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 are. They know what's, what's up. What is it? Uh, not a cinephile, a cinephile like film. They they are music and record store yeah and culture not gatekeepers but like but but yes but like sailors on that yes big sea and they know that they know the territory yeah <laughs> sorry <I was> like, <laughs> what am I talking <laughs> we're not stoned by the way <laughs> not yet
0: so the story goes is sponsored by Santan Brewing Company. Now, Santan's well-known for their tasty craft beers, award-winning spirits, and delicious food. Now, I've been in and out of Sky Harbor Airport a bunch lately, and I'm so stoked because in Terminal 3, there's a Santan brew pub. Oh, my. But I'm here to talk about... Their new event and catering space called Santan Gardens It's located at 495 East Warner Road in Chandler Now this is an indoor-outdoor venue And it's going to be an entertainment oasis And they're putting together some really killing shows I want to tell you about one On April 30th Coming up Beer, bourbon, barbecue, and a band And April 30th features my good friends JTM3 Come on Get your tickets. Go to the show, Santanbrewing.com forward slash events.
1: I'll get back on the bus. I'm sorry. I was was wandering around in front of the bus. (laughs) You're steering, you're driving here. (laughs) Um all right, so alright, so (laughs) (laughs) So Dead Hot invites us to Roadie for their show. Right. And we're in this truck and nobody knows where we're going. This these are real stories. Okay. By the way. Hit me. No. God. Okay, that that was a real story though. <laughs> well, what was it? Finish it up. I don't know. We like we'd like follow them around, and we you know I just love Brent and his songwriting and his yeah. lyrics. It really made sense to me at the time, and the way the whole band sounded. And um, we'd go to that in between Gibson's and uh, Baboa Cafe and just watch a free show, get drunk. I, I don't know if we were old enough to drink somehow walk home four miles to our apartment down the yeah. Tempe, you know, it's, yeah. it's not cold out. And in the summer you just right. walk home and, yeah. uh, but once we got invited to, I don't know why he's just a really nice guy. He's like, yeah. he, he's probably like same thing that happened at Stink. We hey take kid, you want right. to, you want to <laughs> come hang out backstage? I'm like, we're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're in a band. We're in a band. And, uh, that was just a funny experience. Like, we couldn't find the venue, and and we're in some other guy's truck, and he's a really nice guy, and we're like, why are we even here? Why are we allowed to like? And and then I remember, you know, hadn't been on a lot of stages, and like I guess fraternities used to hire the popular band in town to play these giant shows. Yeah, and like it's you know you were talking earlier before we started like I have to set up these entire productions. Yeah, and these shows, and I didn't even know like how that all worked. And we get into the right place eventually, and it was downtown, but like I'd never left Tempe. I was yeah. like a suburban kid. And we peek out, and we're like, we didn't even know where we are. And all of a sudden, you see like four or 500 people yeah. in this makeshift venue or warehouse open space. And then Dead Hot just starts ripping, and they're loud, and they're in. And it was just fun. I mean, yeah. we were sold. I was sold. Yeah, still am. Yeah. That's why I want to go to the Womack and see Inkblot. That's why I want to go right. find the band I like and know there's going to be people there that are just like on the same wa- wavelength. Yeah, yeah.
0: So this is this is uh, post NAU. You ha- you have yeah. a degree. You come. I back- have a degree. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. And minor. Well, minor. And then arts. I was,
1: then I lifeguarded for like two or three years and then was a swim coach. But I had a degree. <laughs> and 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 you made it back
0: down to the valley
1: and you're yeah. playing
0: around town and you're kind of meeting some of the local heroes. Yeah. What is the kind of next step in that musical process for you?
1: Um then then I realized uh well I just kept writing songs. Mm-hmm. Like I was like okay, I can do this. It's like learning to ride a bike like I'm not BMX pro and I'm not like the French clown artistic, you know, like Mm -hmm. I can ride a bike, but what am I, what do I do with it in, in, and at that time I had no doubts about the, my favorite genre and I had no, but I had a very limited kind of scope of what, what I enjoyed in music in a way. Hmm. And it's like what you could pull off. And Mm -hmm. then you just start learning, wow, that's fun. Okay. Uh, you know, I wasn't really doing anything like in a different time signature than four, four. And I right. wasn't, I never knew what key I was in. Mm-hmm. And like, if our song had five or six chords, we're pushing it, you know, and like, <laughs> <laughs> so I moved, I moved to LA. Well, I moved to San Diego and then in a relationship collapse, like sometimes you move to be with somebody. I mean, I'm yeah. older now. I don't really do that anymore. But, right, right. but, uh, and then I ended up in Cal, uh, in Los Angeles, I had moved up. To where my brother was in uh guess what my brother was working for virgin records like my brother continued to be in the oh, creative no, world shit. yeah and my brother was a, a semi and a very great uh photographer and he actually has some work that was on warner brother records different artists so when i got up to la i had a bunch of different jobs and i was at this place called prince charming uh off satel uh in santa monica and I'd drive an hour every day to go to work. And you had to, or I, I forgot, there's a couple different jobs in LA. But I met this guy named Chad Catlett. And and we just started talking and he's like, you want to jam? And I'm like, yeah. I, I had no idea this guy was like a master. This guy you know could shit. he could, he could program those drum machines and a four track, like he could make a demo extraordinaire Ah. and I can make these really rough, good songs. And we like, we hung out one day and we wrote like five songs Hmm. and Hmm. those were the first songs. And that band had a couple of names. That band was called sidekick relics when we we're I in LA, it. three. It's a oh, three. Yeah. It's a well, no sidekick. Th- oh, is one is is a, is uh, a is compound one? word? Okay, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sidekick relics, three syllables, and then we were uh-huh. gonna be called Salt Lake. But you can see I'm in that genre. I'm like, we yes. gotta sound weird and maybe uh-huh. Americana and country, right? And and when I moved back here, eventually we were called uh-huh. Murgatron, and I spent several years trying to make Murgatron a thing. But but the the three songs I wrote and were, that we got recorded. Uh, One's called Outside, one's called Jesse, and one's called Tetra. And I'm, to this day, very proud of that recording, proud of those songs. And if we do that edit thing, that now's the time that you're going to drop in Outside. Love it. And it's available on Bandcamp. Uh, It was produced by Derek O'Brien, who played with some big-time bands and still produces music. But this guy, Chad Catlett. He could play bass Like nobody I just lucked out Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden mm-hmm. I got the perfect guy That could make The whole song around mm-hmm. What I did on the guitar mm-hmm.
0: And we can play- we Can we listen to that tune? Sure uh, we'll, we'll take a little break Okay We'll listen to the tune Awesome And then we'll talk about it Thank you And now
2: Stuck in the rain
0: You just listened to Outside. Uh, Tell me about, um, tell me about, take your time. Thank you. All right, I'm back. And we're back. And we're back uh, (laughs) in scene. Uh, Talk to me about that uh, recording uh, process and Mm -hmm. tell me about Outside.
1: Well, uh, I was living in L.A. and I had this job. Uh, where i had photo retouch photos mm-hmm. photo retouch photos <laughs> headshots <laughs> in, in, glamour it, shots it will in in los angeles there's like thousands of people move there every day to become an actor right and i got this job at this place called prince charman and all i did all day long was like put sag after and put the person's name at the bottom like i was a typesetter right and then eventually we started like I learned how to do like these Photoshop things to do a real fast airbrush on your face. Right. So like Dolomite came in, all these Star Wars, Star Trek stars would come in. And then everybody else, there'd be people who were really stars getting their headshots uh, offset printed. Like I have my headshots, I need 500 of them. Mm-hmm. And that was mm-hmm. one of our packages, 500 headshots for $150 or whatever. Yeah. We take the headshot and we just print a big box of them for you. Yeah. People would come in, get their headshots. But at that place, I met this guy named Chad Catlett, and he was from somewhere. I think he was from Oklahoma. And little did I know, this guy was a musical genius. Yeah, and he could take my songs that we made, and we had our little project, and we played out some shows in L.A. And he was in a bunch of other bands because he was very versatile and very talented.
0: But hold on, why would you? Why would you leave
1: Phoenix at kind of the height of its thing? <laughs> well, I, I went to San Diego to to move in with my girlfriend at the time serious girlfriend yeah and my my first band like the white trash philosopher thing wasn't really a band anymore right and i was just writing my own songs and then uh i lived in san diego for a while the relationship didn't work out and then i moved up to la my brother was there he's like just come up live up here didn't really want to come back to arizona and at that time <clears throat> I kind of thought I'm going to be like a band, like I'm going to be a musician. I, I'm pretty good. I'm talented or whatever. Like I was seriously considering it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then when I moved up to LA, I magically met that guy, Chad. And and we made some really cool recordings. And his friend was Derek O'Brien. And Derek, it's right when Pro Tools was becoming a thing, more of a thing, known thing. And Derek was learning it. Derek was a drummer that was in a band with Perry Farrell and all these. Damn. These people and he's I forgot what band it was, but <clears throat> Derek was an amazing drummer and a very nice guy. And we were his like project. I have mm. a series throughout my life I've always been able to be like, Oh, we'll be your project for your recording school. Right. Pretty right. much all of us, right? Right. And we made this little EP and Outside was one of the songs. And it to me I was like tickled pink. I'm like, wow, like that's better than I could have ever expected coming out.
0: <laughs> so so that's the question how was it written do, do you write on oh.
1: acoustic or electric and then and, and do you hear these parts in your head so back then I would would just start playing and get a little idea and then I could immediately have a verse very quickly mm-hmm. and then the verse was done or like we and then I'd just wander in another part i'm I i do not read music I wasn't really had didn't have lessons or anything I could just kind of learn chords and start planking around in a And, you know, my buddy Chad was there to go, okay, yeah, or make a suggestion. And then we'd write songs very quickly. And he was one of those people back in the day that could take a four-track machine. He could bounce tracks so fast. It was like people playing on their iPhones today. Like, all of a sudden, we have like eight tracks. Like, well, here, okay.
0: He's ping-ponging on a four-track, on a Tascam. In
1: real time, so fast that like me just noodling around, we had a song. Yeah and the ideas were good enough, my playing isn't that great, but like, uh, he could also do this thing with the drum machine. To this day, I'm like, he would memorize how many bars, he'd ah, know where the fill went. Right. I didn't see him writing anything down. Yeah. He'd just go, wait a second, and he'd do, kind of start breathing weird. like, <laughs> And then he just like, in his head he was a computer, and he knew right. exactly where the fill went. And, and Brian, it wasn't even like, oh, I made a mistake. It was like, okay, record that part. like. Well, do we know it's right? And he just he just ignored me. Like all my like, is it right? Do we have to check it? <laughs> right. All of a sudden he's like, well, listen to this now. And I'm like, right. how did he just do that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how long did that phase? And, in- and
1: those would be like afternoons in L.A. in his tiny, tiny ass shitty apartment. Yeah. Maybe we go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. There was a two-story Kentucky Fried Chicken in L.A. somewhere. God bless. And and that was like this weird dream zone. Like we'd make these songs, have some beers, and end up at like the two double story. <laughs> like what fast food restaurant has two stories, but it was L.A. somewhere? Right. I think it was a real thing, or maybe I'm making it up, but it's all this dream sequence. we yeah. spend afternoons writing songs, and those demos, and we'd play out loud. We had play out loud, play out live. <laughs> We have a, we had a little band that somehow I put together through Craigslist, and there was this, The Recycler. In LA, there was this thing called The Recycler. Uh, and believe you me, it took a while to get a drummer and a normal person. Right. And we played shows, and it was so fun. But What were some of the clubs you were playing? I think we played The Mint, The Jam. No, there's this... I'm forgetting them. There was one that had two... And we played that stage. What does that mean? Oh, one that had two, two stages. It had two clubs like oh. the same name. Like oh. the, I can't remember, yeah, man. Oh. Know. The the best place we ever played though, uh, we never played Spaceland, which was the coolest place on earth mm-hmm. in Silver Lake. Mm. But we played the garage, I think, which was like a really kind of known spot for mm. alternative cool rock. And this is late nineties, early two thousands. Right at the end of the nineties, like ninety-nine Two thousand, because then I moved back here. Yeah. And then those, because Chad knew Derek, and he was in some of Derek's band because he was just a great in-demand bass player. Um, we got to take those demos, those afternoon Dream State demos, where we're at a two-story Kentucky Fried Chicken later in the day. Yeah. But that process, it was just really organic. I and you asked me that originally. I would do the music first, and then I just on the spot. Pretty much have some set lyrics or placeholders, mm-hmm. and maybe it would evolve in a couple of weeks. But it would just be set, and then you know we'd play out live a couple of times shows with it. And then when we some you know Derek decided to use us as his project, and then we we got a really amazing recording of it's on Bandcamp. It's called Murgatron. Yeah. Back then we had a couple other band names, but it ended up being called Murgatron. And then I played Again, it
0: three syllables. Murgatron.
1: Murgatron. Always in threes. There you go. Maybe what is it about three I for know. you,
0: Brian? Um, maybe it's it's you, Steely Dan. Let's talk about Steely, Steely Dan.
1: Dan, let's talk about it
0: because we love we <laughs> we share a love of Steely Dan.
1: Yeah, definitely. Right? Uh, yeah, in in almost a self conscious love now, but like I don't understand. Uh, now I now honestly I worry because uh because I, I just worry in general. Like <laughs> I think Steely Dan's accepted as this cool thing but i have heard some of the younger generation you know Mm. that's creeper music and some of the lyrics Mm. Uh, Fagan does have some very strange uh inappropriate lyrics and i've always seen them as like honest or cool or weird Uh, but i think that sometimes it's in in i don't think this all the time i enjoy it but i I start to think wow is that that is that inappropriate? Is that uh, weird? interesting? Uh, everyone's gone to the movies. I'll listen to that song and I get creeped out. Like, is this song about a guy? What is this song? Everyone's gone to the movies. Yeah. Now we're alone and left. Right. And then you, you know, right. you dig in a little bit. Don't tell your mama and don't tell you, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then your daddy, your sister. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, what is this song about? Uh, no, stealing. Okay, yeah. Steely, um, Steely Dan. Uh, hit I me. I, f- I found Steely Dan by way of, of a certain person, yeah. Who was it? Alan Chadwick. Okay. <laughs> Dropping uh, you know, Phoenix cover band Royalty Powerhouses. Uh oh you're right. Of the Chadwick. Uh, amazing guitarist. I met yeah. Alan lifeguarding in Flagstaff and then we both lifeguarded at Qantas Park Pool. Uh, uh shout out. <laughs> shout out to the to <laughs> the municipal Park. aquatics. Uh <laughs> gang they, you guys know who you, you are know. and uh you know who i am uh, a lifeguard olympic champion three years running 100 breast uh, 100 meter breaststroke approach rescue maybe doug bill maybe you're familiar with my maybe, work maybe you've seen my uh linkedin uh, <laughs> i have the lifeguard olympics badge on my linkedin so um, <laughs> this is all true story
0: but. I, so do you remember i, I have very uh, distinct memories of of hearing that music. Yeah. And and what you said uh, rings true with me. The lyrics were cryptic enough that I didn't know what they were talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. But I knew it was cool.
1: I think 98% of their songs are just absolutely brilliant, artistic, cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, definitely satire and critique right. on society. Right. Uh, you know, even his solo work. Yeah. IGY. Ooh. Just ripping on like futurists and like you guys right. really think you know he has lots of lyrics about only a fool would say that you right know, right Salads a son you know like yeah, yeah, yeah <clears throat> only yeah. a fool would say that and and me I'm kind of straddled naive and some foolish you know pining for utopia and futurism myself yeah but he you know you kind of put a finger on him Fagan or you don't and that's fine whatever you want to do with Steely Dan there's something there for you
0: that's what that's what I think, and,
1: and and they know that. So are they just brilliant? Or are they lucky? They're brilliant, and then you know,
0: cra- total crafters, right? I mean,
1: well, it's just there's nothing like it. And then my buddy Alan Chadwick, you know, it's like that kids in the hall skit where the guy walks in the record store. You've never heard the Doors, and it's like this whole initiation. So Alan was like, you know, he was purest of like Led Zeppelin, Rush, um, who else did he just like? Anyways, and then Steely Dan was in there somehow, and he's like, huh. "Listen to the tone." Like yeah. he was just a freak about the recording process, and yes. I could care less. But then I slowly started to realize, and then the lyrics hook, hooked me, and then I was a Steely Dan fan. And nobody got it; I did. "Ricky, don't lose that number." All all these songs. Classic. Uh, <clears throat> you know uh what is that song going and saying? Laughing at the frozen rain, so long When they're gonna send me home? Do- ba- bad sneakers. Yeah, and a pina colada, my friend, and like. Uh, kids charlemagne these were songs in my drinking days and it's definitely a thing and it's real and it's you can't argue with it right it's like a hipster guy who's right abusing substances and having this high-minded diatribes (laughs) and they're great (laughs) i
0: feel like it's um it's uh it's uh fucking catcher in the rye
1: yeah it's like it's like the
0: soundtrack in a way to to catcher in the rye um It's, it's, you know, a lot of the lyrical content to me kind of smacks of, of kind of waspy existence, you know, 80% of the time, Um, kind of that lost, um, I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's. it's, The repressed white male. Yeah, Holden Caulfield to <laughs> yeah, me yeah. You know, like if Ho- yeah. Holding Caulfield had a, had a Walkman mm-hmm. That's what he would be He would be listening to Deacon Blues or whatever yeah. You know, and, there's, and, like, there's something
1: Deacon Blues is a handbook and it's self-explaining And it's right. and So you get those songs like that And then you get these other ones in there And then you just, for me Someone who's like left, right, one, two, three, four Like pop music Then all of a sudden I realize there's this whole other world, other world of jazz Composition Right the thing that my buddy Alan was starting to try to tell me to begin with, the, the care they took with their tone. Uh, uh, yeah, They're only going to play with the players they have. And then I had that stretch of time where I'm like Asia, the making of Asia Jesus. documentary. I've watched it 600 times. Yeah, Every time I'm just like their personalities and who they are and how, I guess I want to say sardonic as if I know what it really means. And like, <laughs> like uh, and you're just like, these guys are cool, yeah. but also you're also like, you know, he 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 just eviscerates himself. You know, cousin Dupree is it the dark, the the dreary architecture of my soul? Like, right. what is it exactly well, that well, turned you off? Like well, he's sitting there putting it all out. Right, he's on all sides of himself. He's meta. He's like, but is it? He's aware of himself. I mean, talk about also, a creepy lyric too, cousin Dupree. <laughs> to me, that one's just in the honest category. If you well, okay. I guess the cousin's underage. Yes. Yeah. So that's not good, but you know, of all of yeah. all of the of all of, of those that's the creepiest one. That's the creepiest one for yeah. me. I think everyone's gone to the movies for some reason. Just freaks me out.
0: Yeah, but uh, when you but but when you think and, about it in context, <laughs> it doesn't freak me
1: out. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And I could be very well misunderstanding it, and I could be well, you know.
0: Well, no, that but, and but it's I, cryptic enough. But I think that that's the beauty of those lyrics is that. Some people can be like, "No, that's just creepy," and other people are like, "No, that's just like really, that's that's adolescence, that's yeah, kids yeah. fucking off, you know." Yeah, and and they're certainly not the first or the last that will do that. Right, they just did it in a way that was cryptic enough that you're like, "What the fuck is actually happening here?"
1: Yeah, and I mean, also like Steely Dan, you know, gutter creepy in, the, but it's also super high minded and mm-hmm. super. You know, there's just nobody that writes music. This is the I day mean, of the expanding man. Like you just couldn't pull that off. I, well, you maybe you can. Uh, I can't think of anyone that comes close to what that is. I mean, I you can. There's there's you know. I don't think Steely Dan is unmatchable, but I think they're pretty good. And I and I who even comes close? Uh, I mean, in its genre, uh you're going to i mean in different in different type types of music i think you can get that feel from a modest mouse like is this creepy is this guy not all right but kind of co- but,
0: but combining but combining all of those things that you just talked about Sure, you can have cryptic lyrics. Everyone has uh, Wilco, uh, Bob Dylan.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Like nobody's really doing that cinematic. But with literate with, the, with the production value, yeah, yeah. It's in the genre. I guess it's pretty bold to say that they're that no one can touch them because you're right. They're they're pretty at a level that not a lot of people even attempt.
0: I mean, you know, I guess the closest things uh, or contemporaries Elvis of, Costello. Okay, I think Elvis yeah, Costello
1: matches Steely Dan. I think you're close a, on in that. In a lot of the in a lot of the key performance indicators, yes. Thank you. A lot of the KPIs. I like the visual lyrics, that you're giving. Me yeah, too, like the, lyrics, musicality, yes. uh, honesty, yeah, art- artisticness, cinematic. Like Costello, uh, beyond, Talking Heads. Beyond beli- the song, Beyond Belief. I think, you know, history repeats the same conceits, quip replies, the same defeats. Da, 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 with crocodile with tissues with the crocodile tears like you're just like i'm reading i'm like right i'm being educated on poetry right blah blah blah, blah. right and right. this is the point where i'm like this is honestly how i feel i'm very passionate i'm like wow do i sound like an idiot but <laughs> 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 yeah i think i think costello goes there i think some of these indie guys like i think i might be uh uh, crucified for saying this but father john misty that one song so brilliant uh the comedy uh the tragedy of man comedy you, you know that song Mm-mm. comedy Mm-mm. uh there's a song by father john misty it's either called comedy or whatever but there's people who are trying to do that still yeah uh uh loud and loud and wainwright's son rufus, rufus. wainwright yeah does it he's cinematic and he's like it's
0: yeah it's a little bit more more of a one trick well no it's it's a little bit more kind of like broadway-ish mm-hmm. like it's a little bit more musical oh, theater and
1: i'm doing like all the kpis like right. you can be in any genre you what can the hell is a kpi key performance indicators oh my god jesus doug <laughs> so if you look at it that way honestly it's a good yeah. way to look at it yeah like, like steely dan's doing r&b jazz rock fusion right uh uh, Rufus Wainwright's to in Broadway show tune right. uh uh what's his name uh Leonard Cohen. Yeah. But there's still this level of uh interesting lyric and yeah. maybe cinematicness, maybe more Elvis so, Costello. But. So
0: if you so I guess what I am I'm, I'm getting from your description of this whole thing is that it really comes down to the lyric. I'm you're I'm, you're, not even, yeah. you're not really talking about um how they revolutionized uh, the recording arts, right? They, you're not even talking Wendell? about...
1: Wendell, <laughs> <laughs> the drum machine. No, well, yeah, that's th- true.
0: That was a big thing. Yeah. You know, no, but beyond that, it was they are known for pulling in specific performers for specific songs.
1: Yeah, they're so
0: as a band, a quote unquote band. Mm-hmm. What they were doing at that time um, was unlike really. I mean. They weren't a band. They were. It was two cats. It was a duo that would pull other cats in I mean, specifically you, for this fucking one thing. I think I mean, that's a whole other thing.
1: They were doing what their heroes did. I think Miles Davis, or a great jazz player, would do that that but, style. I'm going to pull in the players I want from my record.
0: Yeah, but Kind of Blue has all the same players. Okay. Okay. But you I, know what I'm I, saying? I, yeah. Whereas if 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 Steely Dan cut it, yeah, it'd be like, a different drummer, it'd be a different sax player. I want this bass player for this from tune. song to song. Okay, they, you they, know what they I'm did saying? take it
1: to a whole nother level, huh? Anyway, I I just, I just think it's interesting... I stand corrected. How, how, how
0: people... <laughs> uh, how people... Like the thing that connects them to that music and why. Yeah. There are plenty of uh, cryptic uh, lyricists, um, but what they did to me was the was assemble all of these different approaches um and it, and it and it stopped me in my tracks you know i listened to steely dan gold uh in my uncle's truck and i was like and he's you know smoking benson but hedges when you, when, and you, when you know heard, I'm thinking this but is let the me coolest. ask you
1: this when you first heard steely dan you didn't know all that all you had was the music the sound and the lyrics did you first The lyrics
0: i didn't understand oh, okay
1: for me, I under—I f- want to feel like I understood the lyrics that right out of the gate.
0: But I, I feel like yeah. even to this day, wow. Steely Dan is—and I know this band mm. front to fucking back—I <laughs> really do. There's prob- probably there's probably twenty percent of the lyrics I still don't even know what he's fucking saying. I'm singing the wrong thing after yeah. all these years. I still don't know the actual lyric. And when I mm-hmm. I went in one of the COVID and things that I yours. did, yeah. you know, I was like, oh my god, that's the actual lyric. Yeah. I've been singing it incorrectly for 30 years Literally yeah. 30 years I, I, I can't uh, uh, A great example is um, uh,
1: <laughs> The fucking um, But that's common to all lyrics and music and bands That's uh, yes not a stand and no, out. Yes yeah. and no okay. You know
0: um, Usually I, that's for me Alex the seal For me the, the, the lyric <laughs> is the thing Yeah <laughs> No, the one, the one for me that, that took me forever was um, um, the Cuervo Gold, the fine yeah. Colombian. I had no... I, not only did I n- not know what those lyrics were, yeah. I was just making shit up. Yeah. The fair gold blows.
1: Yeah, For f- me, that was know. like, this is education on substances. Right. Because well, I'm like, what's Cuervo Gold? And I looked it up, and what the fine Colombian, I'm right. like, oh, right. that means the type of marijuana. Coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah really, good, really good espresso. If you like flavorful coffee, death clock.
0: Um, <laughs> anyway, we don't have to talk about stealing Dan this whole no I, for another 45 minutes, but we okay. will.
1: Uh, we might. <laughs> um, yeah, I just remember like Kid Charlemagne, mm-hmm. and there's something about REM and those Southern sayings in, in a turn of phrase that yeah. means something, but on its face, you know, can't get there from here. That doesn't make any sense. You can get, you know, but that's a thing. You can't <laughs> right. get, like if you stopped and asked directions in the South. Right. And there's, th- that's a common saying. Well, how do I get the, you can't get there from here. Right. That doesn't make sense. You just don't know the directions, but it also means something. I feel like. The, yeah. So those are like, like uh, colloquialisms, so yes. to speak of a region. But right. I feel like Steely Dan does an artistic type colloquialism, if that's the right word to use. And there's other bands that do that where they have their language. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, but you're right, and I'm going to use KPIs again, key performance. They do so many things yeah, pretty much better than most, so well that it's just bizarre, yeah.
0: Two things, uh, two things as a songwriter that I've tried to take from this Steely Dan songbook is, one, yeah. uh, put a name in your song. There you go. Right, so many of their songs create Egg. characters. Right. Yeah. I mean, fuck. I, I would be hard pressed to find a song that didn't have a a, a name. Yeah. You know.
1: And they even do that thing with the like the the real general name for a type of person, mm-hmm. a something Johnny or a, a yes this or a that, yes. and and that's the thing where it's almost like Noam Chomsky, like linguistic science. Like, yeah, it's it's a group and a sound that that's gonna register. Uh, possibly like physically as the way humans use language as a thing or a wor- a placeholder yes type things and yeah and they do have those you
0: know. I, that that was a, that's that's something that I'm not trying to employ but I see that as a tool right because as soon as you put a name to something mm-hmm. you're allowing the listener to attach their experience to that name right and yeah. And not that they've they've always used common names or whatever, but it was it's something that that while researching and recording um the home at last things that I did yeah um it just became very aware that they're creating these characters and whether they whether their stories converge or not um what they're doing is you you're they're allowing you to connect to someone within this song, right? Almost every verse might have a different character. And maybe they collide and maybe they don't, but there's something that I can connect to as a listener because I know someone like that or I know someone named that or, you know, that sort of thing. That that was a big takeaway for me. Mm-hmm with steal again. So the story goes is proudly sponsored by my favorite real estate ladies. I'm talking about the Engstrom team. Come off it. Becky, Kate, and Carrie. They helped me purchase my first home four years ago. I'm so happy that I chose to work with them. This is the mother-daughter real estate team who have been selling in the Phoenix area for 25 years. They know what's up. In fact, I recently had lunch with Kate Because I had some questions You know, I own this home I want to remodel the bathroom How is that going to affect the resale value? Will it change the number of bathrooms that I have? You know, all that shit that I know absolutely nothing about And she just gave me the info She talked straight at me She gave me the deets You feel me? Anywho, if you have questions If you want to buy If you want to sell you know how does a remodel affect you know your home or whatever? Give these ladies a call four eight zero two five zero one nine three six. I didn't meet you through your art, but I became aware of some of the visual art that you, that you have gotten into. So yeah. so just hit me hit me to um, how that even started because what you do is super unique. And thank you. Yeah, and and I bought one of your pieces. Thank you again. Which is uh, it's uh, I've uh, it's in the bathroom I've, above I, the toilet. I've stapled it <laughs> above my bed, so every night before the last thing I see is your is your my is creative your, is your creative no, juices just creative, all sp- yeah sprayed all over a oh canvas. No. Oh no, and there's a lot of DNA in that. Yikes! Just don't put a blacklight to it. Um, tell me how you got into really
1: don't. <laughs> Still, don't. Silly, please don't.
0: Um, tell me how you kind of transitioned from music to uh, to visual arts.
1: Well, I liked art at a young age. Are you going
0: to cry? Do you need Kleenex? What, no, what's happening? I
1: don't know what's happening. <laughs> Why do we have to define it? Why do we just go? No, go with it, Brian. I'm doing that thing where you rub your face.
0: Why? <laughs> well, well, when... Do you have allergies? No, no. You no, fucking I'm with allergies? I'm good. I'm fine.
1: So. Take a moment. So. I guess I'll start with, I had a band called, that that first band I had, and I guess what you get to do when you have a band? Hold on, hold on. You make a flyer for every fucking oh, show. Oh, there you go. And I was really excited about that, and I'd go to Kinko's and spend like yes. five hours making a flyer for So you show.
0: would design it at the Kinko's? You'd go to the Kinko's yeah, and it was design it Yeah, because it
1: was right at the time when... You could zap text in, so I'd print out text, and I'd have the art, and I. my buddy, Tim, Tim White, worked at the Kinko's on University, and I'd Photoshop hot wheel cars, I'd, I'd start collaging, making this yeah. thing, it just started happening at at the Kinko's. Yeah, get into the microphone, in a, don't get too far away. And Dire Straits kind of writes some cinematic songs like... Uh, okay, Steely Dan. Yes. Roller... That's an... Okay. So I'd, I'd make these... Uh, it all comes back Start to making me. these collages. And Tim knew how to zap in text. You'd take... The, the, the color copy would take an image of the image and then you could have the text and it could zap the text in on it and somehow he was into it like you go to kinko's and the guy's like get out of here kid right like it's 50 cents an edit or (laughs) but tim would sit there and like all right and i'd have you just do layer upon layer right okay copy it now okay put this where and then all of a sudden you'd have this amazing flyer to you thought it was amazing and you spent 30 dollars and 600 copies and (laughs) And then you made a bunch of them, or shrunk them down four up, and then you put the flyers everywhere. And ASU, those big yeah kiosks yeah, who knows who saw them? Nobody did. Nobody did. And uh, you know, to this to this day, one of my favorite awards is New Times gave me best flyer of the week awards in some somewhere, but in the two thousands for like a singer songwriter thing I would do at the um. Not the Emerald Lounge, but the Ruby Room, when Greg and uh, Rhonda were running the Ruby Room. Greg and Rhonda ran the Emerald Lounge and the Ruby Room, I think. Oh, really? I, <clears throat> I, I only know, I don't know, remember both of their last names, but the nicest people. Shout um, out to S- Greg and Rhonda. S- uh, S- uh, S- uh, Smitherton's downtown uh, yeah. uh, so, field. So you'd, you'd spend a good amount of time, and then I got smart, and i do the whole month show on... All the shows we're doing in a month on one flyer. Right? On one flyer. Right? Yeah. You got it. You so, got, and yeah. I had a graphic. I had an art minor. Th- Jesus Christ. I told you that we're going to... already told co- you that.
0: We're going gonna-
1: <laughs> to... Quit asking the same question.
0: I told you we were going <laughs> to draw on your fucking art minor Is because... you a
1: pun? Are you making a pun? We're going to draw on my art minor. Okay. We're going to draw. <laughs> we're going to drive you to drink. Uh, So that was fun. Uh, when I And then I was always kind of making art and I think I was living in LA and I got some illustration jobs with some magazines that I thought were really cool. I don't, I would send out like 200 cards to art directors cause it's kind of just cop in my brother. My brother was a photographer. He sent his book out. He'd send mm-hmm. out these promo photos to art directors. You could find a list of art directors. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this weird dream. It's like a Steely Dan song, uh, you know, I can't wait till I move to the city, finally mm. make up my mind to learn design, study overseas. And so I'd send out 200 cards and I'd get a response. And then I'd have to actually draw the thing for money and I'd freeze up. Mm. I remember I, they wanted me to draw uh, um, the Smiths guy, Morrissey, because mm. I had all these drawings that looked like Morrissey and were really loose and cool on this card I mailed him. And then I got the job and I had to draw Morrissey and they all just look like Fred Flintstone. I just kept drawing <laughs> Fred Flintstone. Because sometimes when I create, it's very like whatever brainwave and intuitive because I have right. no expectation. Right. So I've always kind of struggled with that part of commerce and, and art. Yeah. Because, you know, but but I've learned to have a bank of stuff. And right. like okay. I, I create when I'm comfortable. Right, right. But uh, I, I made a bunch of digital prints when digital art is kind of like was the NFT of the time. Right. Like digital art, that's a piece of shit. That's not an original. And I made these really cool giant digital prints. And my friends, the Garen's, Fort Garren, he's a very he's a very good kind of southwestern artist, but like illustrative style. And his brother and his family had a gallery in in Scottsdale, the G two Gallery. And I got all these giant prints uh, framed in L A. And I had a sh- I was living in L A. But somehow I got to scratched together to bring it all to Phoenix and have a show at my friend's gallery. And somehow the image, one of my images got a write up and was in the Arizona Republic Mm -hmm. and, and that one sold. And so I sold a digital image for like $400 Mm -hmm. in like the late nineties. Whoa. And it was like, I think Trent, Trent and Fort Garen, Trent bought one. And I think to this day it's, it's faded. And if you'll put it in, like it wasn't, I oh. was just winging it, like, right. oh, yeah, it's archival. Archival means it won't, right. there's certain uh, integrity to it, right. so it won't just fade away. Right. Like, I see your awesome paintings here of, of all these musical stars here in the podcast zone. Yeah. You know, I think that's Neil Young. Yes, it's Neil Young. Oh, I'm sorry, that's insulting to the artist. <laughs> Joni, uh, Sweet Baby James. Yes, sir. Uh, don't tell me. Take it, take another little piece of my... Uh... No. no, no, that's Carol King.
0: Carol King. Good
1: so, job! You're the first motherfucker
0: to come in and name them all.
1: Oh, come on! I'm no, telling you, I'm no slouch. <laughs> no, By the slouch. way, I've
0: been living in your, uh, I've been living on your patio yeah, uh, for the past three weeks. Uh, I know exactly.
1: Who they are. Me and the spider <laughs> nest, uh, which there isn't one, thank God. So, uh, so, so so doing digital art in yeah. the late '90s. that's me man but hold on running the streets running the game just downtown rat downtown la (laughs) riding the bus i did yeah i did start putting stickers and trying to tag things in la it was kind of embarrassing
0: i you know what (laughs) this you know um i don't know if this is if you will feel good or bad about what i'm about to say um but one thing i love about radiohead
1: Mm -hmm. is their full-time artist uh do you Stanley know Stanley something? Yeah, it, I follow it, him on Instagram. It's there's He's amazing. There's yeah.
0: something about what you do visually that reminds me of that. And I do, do you remember did you ever like go to their website like kind of back in the day? Yeah. And it was just pages and pages of random art?
1: Yeah, and and, and I and so I was looking at shit that well, I just pulled up the the. This that, is the cat. He's been doing their art since the beginning, and he's amazing. Uh, okay, computer yeah. has the lost child and like yeah. the, the 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 air the airplane diagrams and yeah, and yeah. then the combining it with like urban planning and it's yes. just brilliant. But yeah, I've been doing. I've been a fan of music and making fake album covers, and then you know right than getting to do my own flyers. So yeah, it's a journey. Uh, that's a huge compliment. That's a high hell of a compliment. Well, good. And, Cause that's, and, and these little zines I'm making, yeah. is kind of my, my work around for economical restrictions and then being able to make something for me. People do buy them on occasion. And uh, I love, I love it. These little zine things. These are actually my poems. Cause this book I got to do with an actual poet and he wrote the yeah. poem. He wrote the poems to my illustration. Oh, that's super! So hip. we did that kind of reverse. So where can we find it? The- so Tolson Books is an independent. Uh, I was really far off the mic. I'm now sure you you're didn't.
0: getting really into it. Yeah, I'm sure you well, like. Why that, did you
1: reel me in? Well, now that you're promoting reel, something, reel yourself in, Bale. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Tolson Books. I've so uh, last year. I mean, it's a dream of mine to have a a, a, super a book. Cool. A chapbook, a poetry book, uh, Mike Buckius, he's, I was at a poetry reading and I'm like, I love your poetry, man. I saw him at Yucca tap Room, trying to hear some band and I just, as a joke, I thought I was joking, but I actually scared him. I'm like, hey, are you that poet? And I thought I was being obviously enough dumb, but I, I keep forgetting I'm a 50, 48 year old man at the time. When you get older, sarcasm doesn't always translate, yeah, and you're just scare the, people. <laughs> doesn't play as well as it used to. So I, I'm trying to reel myself in. So where can we find Tolson Books? Tolson dot com. Well, how do you
0: spell that shit? That doesn't sound like a gimme, bro. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. T o l r nine twelve. It is T o l s u n. Tolson dot com. Mm-hmm. I got to do two book covers, yeah. and I got to contribute to the cover of my own book. And all the illustrations in Future Sarcasm I drew. I'm a huge fan, man. And we did it backwards where Mike just wrote the little blurb poems to the image, which is fun. And me and Mike worked together well. And, of course, we're bouncing around a cartoon idea called GERDs, which is god birds where these giant uh, 15 or 20-foot bird beings take over the earth. Anyways, we have a good time. Uh... Brainstorming it, but yeah, this was a fun project. Tolson Books. Uh, a lot of my, f- I'm also a big fan of poetry, mm. and I'm not a good poet, but I have an attempt in this one. This one's called Filtered and Tethered. It's a zine, mm. and I will wake up in the morning and write a dumb poem on Facebook. No, shit. Yeah, I'll write these poems, and people don't. Un- they're just nobody likes them. No, no, but but this is part of the of
0: your process. Every morning you wake up, you write something.
1: No, see, I, I I'm trying to create a process where where whatever I do that day, it might be creative, but I don't have to be pinned down to the process. So I will quarterly or it's, it it almost, it's weird because Facebook starts to like become an almanac too. You look at your memories and like, it seems like certain months consistently, I write these weird poems and, 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 and I, again, I'm, I'm a novice poet, but I, I like them to the point where Mike helped me edit these, uh, for my own little poetry zine, yeah, and uh, there's images next to them, so it's kind of like a poetry zine. I love it. I love it. That,
0: and I and I'm I'm always I'm, I'm always so uh, inspired by people who are creative in various genres. Like you've done mu- great music stuff. You now you, you thank know, you. You're doing great uh, visual arts and and poetry. And I'm just. That level of commitment to being creative is mm. impressive to me, you know. Yeah,
1: to me, I mean, if you really want to get deep into it, it's like a, it's like a super confusion. Mm. Like it's like uh, when your body rejects a medicine. Mm. Like it's just this total intellectual mm. spiritual confusion about what am I supposed to be doing, and then you know, mm. Joseph Campbell. Campbell follow your bliss and then that's misinterpreted as oh bliss means if it's fun do it but what he meant is die trying doing what you enjoy or 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 face that challenge yeah in a um it it, it alternates I've had runs in my life where I've been fortunate enough just to paint and you know that you came to my studio I came to the studio and I've and I've made money off paintings but then I'm like I gotta go get that job and and I kind of like I kind of uh akin it to like a Bukowski or a Harvey Picard where part of their story is that they never kinda made it. <laughs> like Harvey Picard, American Splendor, he had a medical records job and he just he never quit his job. And now, you know, mm-hmm. in those American Splendor comics in uh dang it, Crumb. Crumb did right. all the artwork. Right. And he you know, but his, you know, there's value that there—that's no, no <clears throat> the nobility of the the middle class or working class artist that never makes it. Um, there's just all these things I, swirling around. So I, so I've moved into this gear where like I part of what I do. Some people work all, forty hours a week so they can have this hobby. Mm-hmm. And and right. and and they for the- me, for me, the art is a hobby. It's also therapy. But it's all mm-hmm. sometimes it's also like commerce, like sometimes i'll sell shit
0: well doug bill yeah i uh i appreciate you uh sharing uh your music and your visual art tolson I, books i yeah and <laughs> we're wrapping pl- it up well yeah
1: it, 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 yeah <laughs> seven um, hour seven hour podcast, seven hour podcast. <laughs> yeah. i uh i own you these are for you thank you yeah really these, okay. yeah these little scenes love it uh these are five dollars <laughs> okay <laughs> this is my copy oh off boulder highway jennifer battisti amazing book uh, amazing experience uh they saw my photo collages and i got to make the cover front and back and i got to read all the poems and and soak in the work and make a cover mm-hmm. and be the cover artist for a poet and be part of a project that just got like uh i think that she just won best of vegas best local uh published book she's from las vegas just plugging Tolson books. Definitely, if you like books or creative books or poetry, go to Tolson com. Um, if if we if we re, we're wrapping it up, uh, I, this is so much fun. I really appreciate even talking about my art. And you're a good guy to do this podcast, and I appreciate it.
0: Well, you've you've uh, you delivered the goods, and I'm mm. a fan of your work. Mm. I really am. You I appreciate know, I, the the. the the paintings that i've that i've seen uh are are great and i and I wish I could have supported you more at that moment
1: uh, uh don't don't even worry about it man but anyway i i i am thanks a for f- supporting me right now
0: I'm a fan of you i appreciate it as as a creative
1: you know yeah.
0: and and we need we need more people like you doug Bale. well damn you know what i mean Let's... Pound
1: it out. Pound it in, pound it out. Oh, whoops. That's not what I meant. Strange. Strange (laughs) moment. All right. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. Good night. (laughs)